God, you are worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Lord, as we heard earlier already and have said and proclaimed, you came and put skin and bones on and moved in the neighborhood. And Jesus, you dwelt among us so we could see you, we could hear you, we could touch you, we could smell you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, that you gifted to us, that you left with us, that you put in our hearts, that your Spirit can move, that we can hear you again through your word. That we can touch you, that we can see you, that we can smell you so that others may do the same and proclaim your name as worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can take a seat. Grab this. Yeah. There's a penny. <laughs> All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Josh. I'm glad you're here. Hope students, where are you? Go Hope. I'm a Hope grad. That's good. It's okay if you're not a big Hope fan. You're still welcome. All right. Hey, uh, I want to ask you a question, and you've got to tell your neighbor. Uh, I do this every once in a while when I, I start up here because I like when you talk first. It makes me feel more comfortable being in our family space. So can you tell your neighbor what one of your favorite smells is? Okay? Like, and it could be a smell that like, brings back a memory or something, so it might start a conversation. What's one of your favorite smells? Well, that went over well. <laughs> All right. Oh, I hate to cut off fun. That was too good. That, that went pretty well. I didn't know where that was going to go, but okay. So, my, one of mine is right here. Right? It's, it's, a little, it's, a little, it's a little nut. Nutmeg. Anybody say that? Oh, you're all like, I wish I did now, right? So, I didn't grow up knowing much about nutmeg, uh, but when I, I met my wife and, uh, and realized that she grew up in a baking family, baked with her, her, uh, her gram all the time, she, she baked me one of my favorite foods, pumpkin pie, right? And her pumpkin pie had something special in it. And I'm like, what is this? This is like gold, right? Nutmeg. So I figured out what nutmeg was. So nutmeg now still brings back memories for me, maybe of our early dating time or simply just pumpkin pie, because that's, that's awesome too, because those things go hand in hand. She won me over quick. Uh, but nutmeg's my favorite smell, right? Uh, what are some of the ones that, that you said? Just, just a couple. Maybe some, what? Vitaly's Pizza. Popcorn? What? Spaghetti sauce, okay. Lavender? Bonfire? Oh, hey, I'll bring that up later. I love it. Hey, did anybody say, did anybody say Jesus? Oh, okay, come on, I'm being a little corny here. That's like the right answer because we're in church, right? The right <laughs> and nobody gave it. Okay. So when, uh, when JP was talking about food two weeks ago, I was getting really hungry until he, he put curry on his mashed potatoes, and then I didn't get as hungry. But he was talking about food, and it got me thinking. And, uh, 
and, and it got me thinking about, about smells, and it's particularly one verse where we're going to start. And we're going to unpack that. And I think it's a sense that goes overlooked because it's not typically a dominant sense. It's a sense that takes some effort on your part. It's a sense that, that you know, if, you, if you put some work behind the scenes, like not making a pumpkin pie, it can do wonders. And it's the sense of smell. So open up to 2 Corinthians real quick if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And you'll notice right away, and this is probably possibly a verse that you've heard before, two verses. But, uh, but I think it's a good place for us to start. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. There's the first smell. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are the aroma of Christ. We are to smell like Jesus. It's my hope someday that somebody says that their favorite smell was Jesus because they encountered him when they smelled me. We're going to talk about smell a little bit today. We're going to unpack it. Maybe I'll use the metaphor too much. But hopefully this sense of smell will, will allow the Spirit to teach you or work inside your heart uh, to what God has for you. Let's look at what this means. What does it mean to be the aroma of Christ? Flip backwards to the book of Acts. And we're going we're to start there with a story. The story in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4. This chapter is the early church, right? And you have some of the disciples that followed Jesus, that followed him around, that are preaching that are teaching, that are preaching the good news, preaching the resurrection. They're also uh, healing. It just got done through healing a, a, a crippled man. And, uh, and some people throw him in prison. And the next day, these people pull him out again. These people are elders, teachers of the law, the leaders of the day. right? People kind of in, in, in powerful positions or with titles. And, and they start to question them. And, and Peter and John begin to preach boldly again. And as they preach boldly, here's, here's the response that's given. Chapter 4, verse 13. When they, they being the, the elders, teachers, leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What qualified these men? What qualified them? Oh, you could say Jesus, right? What about it? Being. Being with Jesus. Being with him. Who said campfire? If you hang around at a campfire long enough, or if you hang around at a campfire long enough, and, and, then, and then you leave that place, is it pretty easy to tell from somebody else's perspective that you've been at the campfire? Why? Not because you passed through the campsite. Not because you drove past it. Not because you read about it or booked a site. right? Because you sat around it. You talked around it, you gathered in close, you roasted a marshmallow, you had conversations in the midst of it, and then you went on your way. They had been with Jesus. That was what qualified them. So what would have, what would have not qualified them, right? Push comes to shove, they're thrown in prison, different things are happening, they're being challenged. What would have not prepared them for that moment? I mean, the opposite, right? Not having been with Jesus. They could have studied about him a lot, learned about him a lot, 
right? Taking others' words for it, stuff like that, and, and known a lot. But had they not been with Jesus, these leaders, these elders, these teachers would not have noticed. They eventually would have gotten past the surface and would have seen who they were. And when they saw that, they saw that they had been with Jesus. It's a little bit like JP's story two weeks ago. JP challenged us as a church body to say, don't sprinkle on missions on top, right? Do, do all the church stuff and then just sprinkle missions on top. If I said the same thing but changed it to Jesus, if I said, hey, do your life, just do your life and then, and then just sprinkle Jesus on top, does that change the core of who you are? Right? It, it's different than that. It's different. It's when he talked about his mom cooking. And this got me, and this got me thinking for the past two weeks, and God's been working on me on this and saying, saying no, let it, let it simmer. Throw all the oils and the spices in first and let it simmer and throw the food on top of it. And so this food goes through it. Right? So, so it infuses into all of the being of those, whatever the food is. And, and so it infuses into all the being of who I am. So that I'm not separate from that. But when I come to a place where challenges before me or I'm in prison or whatever, that people see that I've, I've been with Jesus. Right? The aroma has taken over and, and made me that aroma. I, uh, I have two stories for you from my, own, from my own past. And one is a little bit dorky, but that's cool because I'm a little dorky. When I grew up, I used to play basketball against a buddy of mine. We used to play one-on-one. But we didn't really play one-on-one. We played five on five. You're like, what are you talking about? So we used to draft players, NBA players, and not the good ones, because that's no fun. We would draft the ones that had like quirks in their game. So Bill Ambeer was my team captain. And then I drafted Bill Cartwright and Spud Webb and Detlef Shrimp and all these players that you're like, who are these guys, right? But they all had quirks to their game. And then I'd, I'd, I'd impersonate them on the basketball court. And I'd pass it, and then I'd be somebody else. You know, Bill Cartwright. Okay, and then I'd pass it again, Spud Webb. And then, and then I'd play, and he'd have five players too. And it was dweeby, but it was fun. And we were impersonating them. Sure, we acted like them. Sure we did. I thought we acted pretty well. At least we thought we did. But were we becoming them? Were we becoming their aroma? I had never met a single one of them. I had never walked with them. I had never talked to them. Sure, I could mimic that. I could play the part, but it wasn't infusing into my life. Story number two. Uh, Daniel even mentioned this this morning. Uh, you may know this or not, but I say awesome a lot because I like that. I think it's a positive word. It's cool. And uh, I don't know. I haven't tried to rid myself of it yet. But, uh, but I recently, just in the past month, uh, started saying nice. Nice. <laughs> it's a big jump. And my seven-year-old daughter has also said nice a lot. Nice. And my wife doesn't mind it because it's taking the place of awesome and that's a good reprieve. <laughs> but, but she wonders, she's wondering, she's like, who started this? You know, she's like, she's a detective. Who started this? Trying to figure out if Novi or I started it. Well, that, that question doesn't so much matter to the point of the story. The point of the story is we live in close quarters with each other. We live, we hike, we breathe, we eat, we talk, we, we do life together. And so it's easy to see that because I'm doing life with my daughter, that we would develop similar behavior, similar characteristics. 
And the kicker is, we're doing it unintentionally. The basketball example, I had to try hard to mimic somebody. You know, I tried. I, I, I can do my best to do that. But it's not changing who I am. My example with my daughter, it's changing who I am, who I live with, who I surround myself with. I hope that I live with Jesus enough, or I'm with Jesus enough, that I be with Jesus enough, so that changes who I am, my behavior, and so my, unintentionally, I'm letting off his aroma, and people notice it. My wife and I um, have, a, have a goal in our lives, and there's not, just like there's, there's the low estimates are that the, the numbers of types of smells in the world are, are in the hundreds of thousands. There's like five types of taste. So there are all sorts of smells. So just to, there are loads of ways to be the aroma of Christ, I think. So I, I, I felt, I'm going to tell this next story. I don't want you to think like, oh, this is the way to do it then. Be the aroma of Christ. No, being with God is the way. The byproduct is to maybe be that aroma to somebody else. My wife and I, about six years ago, started a prayer. And our prayer was, Lord, may you prepare our homes and hearts. Wow, that came quick. <laughs> um, so we had, we had, a, I had, a, I had a, a son about a month ago. His name was Nashon. And he got to live with us for two and a half weeks. And I love Nashon. Nashon's in foster care. Nashon needed respite care. So he, he was going to stay with us for two and a half weeks, and it was a planned two and a half weeks. Um, and his, his, his long-term foster family needed a, was going on vacation, and they needed someplace for him to go. I found out a day before, and then I met Nashon the next day. And my prayer that started six years ago is that when Nashon enters our home, Lord, prepare our home, that he would smell something. That he would smell hope and joy and faith and love. And man, this, this boy lived with joy. He was fearless. He would jump off the pier. He went down my sister's zip line, hanging upside down by his legs. I didn't even tell him to. He just did it. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you know. But it was great. And, uh, and yet at night, he didn't have peace because of the fear. Are the door's locked. Am I safe? I can't go to sleep. Will you sing to me? This is cool. This is somebody else who planted this in him. What song do you want me to sing to you, buddy? Jesus loves me. Okay. So we'd sing. Didn't settle him. You know, he'd, st- he'd still get up and come downstairs and say, Am I safe? He needed to smell for those two and a half weeks the aroma of Christ. That aroma needed to infuse into him. And it's not going to happen if I act the part or if I sprinkle it on top. It's going to happen if I've let Jesus infuse into me. So not, not I don't have to work at it, but unintentionally it spills over or it, it, the smell comes out and into his life. So that when he smells that, he experiences Christ's joy and peace and love. Sure, it may, uh, you know, I, as I was wrestling through this, I'm like, okay, this may sound like, okay, it's just a little encouragement, but I, I wanted to go through also uh, some challenges to this. You know, okay, be the aroma. Good, let's do it. Done. Be with Christ. But it's not that easy. Right? There are barriers, and you know this as well as I do, right? that there are challenges to doing this. One of the biggest challenges maybe in our culture, in our life, are distractions. I, I, I was thinking, just as I was thinking through this, and, and I'm a history teacher, so I love thinking just the past and how 
society has changed and what that's doing to our, us, whatever. And I thought, man, 20 years ago, the average person didn't own a cell phone. 60 years ago, the average person didn't own a TV. 100 years ago, the average person didn't own a phone or a radio. I'm not yearning to go back there. Technology can be great for changing and, and for progress and all this stuff. But it has changed us. It does, and you need to acknowledge that. To the point where there is, there is constant stimulation. And often our dominant sense, our, our sense of sight, takes over. Right? And, and we get stimulated from one thing to another. And so we get drawn into that. So we don't, we don't stop. We don't stop to listen. As I was thinking about that, um, I was uh, reading a, a chapter in a book that I love, and the chapter is entitled Kingdom of Noise, and it talks about this, this challenge of constant stimulation. I also watched a TED Talk video that, that of this, uh, this woman who, who challenged people um, with, a, with kind of a 40-day a fast, really, from technology, but she called it bored and brilliant. And she's, a, she's a, 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 somebody who studies the brain. I don't know if it's a psychiatrist or not, but she was something. Some sort of doctor that studies it. And she studied this and she, she said, hey, the reason I'm doing this is not just based on, on just, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm observing, but, but evidence within the brain that shows when you are bored or when you're doing something just out of repetition, uh, whether it be doing the dishes or folding laundry or something, when you're doing that, your brain's actually creating more synapses than if you have attention drawn into watching some sort of video on TV. Right? You're creating more synapses. And in this moment, you can, you, in this boredom, you can actually gain some sort of creativity out of it. I'm going to take it a step further and use words that my neighbor uses. I have a neighbor named Jay who calls this prophetic daydreaming. I mean, sit on that for a little bit. If I'm always stimulating my, myself, and anytime I'm bored, because bored seems to have some negative connotations in our society, right? Um, a, a lot of them. And so if I'm bored, I want to quickly fill my time with something. So I grab my phone because I have an instinct that's also physiological, right? To grab it or to fill my time with something. And if I don't let myself be bored in these moments, maybe I don't have those moments to invite a prophetic word in, to invite the spirit to move inside of me, to make a new synapse, a new connection a new creative dream to allow the Spirit to speak to me. I may not be listening as well or smelling as well. In the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, right in the way in his first chapter, speaks to how to attack, uh, it's, it's some demons speaking, how to attack Christians. And he says, keep them focused on the ordinary things. Because our enemy, God, is of the extraordinary. Keep them focused on the ordinary things. Right? Keep them busy. Keep them stimulated with these ordinary things in life. Can we not fall for that? Because God is the God of extraordinary. He has, ex he has extraordinary things for you. Be open to that. And maybe part of that's removing some things. If we take our senses metaphor, right? You may, you've probably heard this before. If somebody loses one sense, let's say a dominant sense like sight, what happens to their other senses? They elevate. They get stronger. Right? Your sense of smell would be increased because of that. May we be a people who are willing to, because of this barrier, remove things from our lives to open up our time to the Spirit infusing itself into our lives and teaching us. 
That's one big thing, distractions, right? The other one is just the cost, just straight up cost. Dave spoke to this last week. If you were here, Dave talked about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. And the guy did what to buy the field? He sold everything. Sold everything. The cost is high, right? Jesus makes no bones about it. The cost is everything. To have Jesus is to give up everything. It's also to have everything. Right? Like, I mean, that, that you, you, got, you got to do that. And so maybe that's a part of it, too. I, uh, I, I want us to choose to be the aroma, but I think that's the wrong place to start still. Because we don't choose to be the aroma first. God shows us. Right? God shows us first. There's a... There's a verse in Ephesians 5, uh, if you want to flip to it. But it's, it's just a beautiful reminder that I think maybe is important to grab onto. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, And live a life of love just as Christ loved us. So live a, a life of smelling like love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He was the fragrance first. Right? He's the one who offered a sacrifice to us. Yes, let's take sacrifice on our behalf. Yes, right? But he, he was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate fragrance. And so come, come near to him. He actually speaks to this in John, uh, near the end of John, when he's predicting his death and talking to his disciples for the last time. He, he, he's preaching about the day when he'll leave the Holy Spirit and, 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 and at Pentecost. And he says, at that day you will know that... that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in you. We are at a campfire. We are dwelling together. We're here. He's already done that work. He's already defeated death. If you go back to 2 Corinthians, right, the beginning of that says he leads us in triumphal procession. He's already triumphed. I mean, praise God. He's already done that. And so his offer is not, not like, hey, just, just work harder, just tear things out of your life. No, I did this for you. I did this for you. Hey, T and T, can you come up? Oh man, I said my daughter's names. I'm going to cry. That's awesome. Key and... <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Oh, they'll come up here. This is better. All right. Come on, girls. Hurry up. All right, you each get one part of the show here. I'm going to go key first. Key, I want to pick you up. Come on. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. What does daddy smell like? Don't answer that question. I'm kidding. Okay, that's good. I just wanted to pick you up, actually. Good. Here we go. Titi, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. What do you do? What do you do? When I put you on my shoulders, how do you do that? No, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. Can I pick you up like this? Oh, yeah, go. Good, there you go. Good job. Good job. Say hi. Hi. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, clap for him. You might not think that was much, but you guys are sure. So I love that my daughters like when I pick them up and that they still ask. And when they ask, they ask like this. Looks similar to the way you were singing, right? 
Well, they asked like this. Looks similar to a trust fall. I'm not going to do it, but... <laughs> Quick. <laughs> no. Uh, but, uh, but both are maybe what we're being called to. I don't want this to sound like a, like a try-harder. You know, read, read the Bible more often. Oh, man, God has so much for you if you would chew on Scripture and open it up and memorize it, that he would infuse inside of you and change the way that you smell, change your emotions, your behavior. Smell is tied to what, emotions, behavior, and long-term memory, they say. He can change all those. Change your past. Change who you are. Change how you respond in situations. He could do all that if you let him. But he doesn't just demand that. He doesn't just say, like, uh, you know. He does that because he loves you. But what he's already doing is he's like, hey, I already led you in triumphal possession. I'm just waiting for you to lift up your arms. Right? I'm just waiting for you to lift up your arms because I want to pick you up. And guess what? When I'm picking you up, that's as close as we can get. Because I'm just going to hold you. And if I hold you long enough, you're going to start smelling like me. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. Be with him. Be with him. So in those moments, people see it. They don't see it, though. They smell it. They smell it. Right? Um, so my challenge to you, and, and, and I don't know. Yeah. My challenge to you might be, might be one of these things, right? You might take one of these things. And, and maybe this is getting too, too practical then from where, where I was with the message. But, yeah. I, so Deuteronomy, Old, Old Testament says, right, bind, bind the, the, these words on your heart and in your mind. Right? Right? It, right? Put them there. Put them there. What words? Scripture. Do it. Okay? Maybe your challenge here is to memorize Scripture. I was challenged this week to do that. I have a colleague who challenged me to do that and said, I just started to memorize the Sermon on the Mount again. And man, every time I go through uh, a day and, and I see something, it connects me back to Jesus. It just reminds me. It just throws me back here because it's on my heart. It's in my mind. It's changing how I respond to this world. It's changing me from within. Do it. Do it. Right? Find his word in your, in your hearts, in your mind. Right? Let that do its work. Maybe it's to remove distractions. Uh, my school is talking a lot about removing the rocks from your soil this year. Right, if there's rocks in your soil and that parable that was told, yeah, there might be some initial roots, but then they'll, they'll dry out because they're not deep, right? Maybe there's distractions in your life, things you need to remove in order to allow God's word to infuse into you, right? Maybe it's to invite the Spirit. One of my favorite sermons this summer was a sermon Dave gave, and it spoke to me, I think it was early in the summer, when he challenged me to think about asking and seeking and knocking in a different way. Maybe it's starting my day just asking the Spirit to pick me up. To say, hey, today I want to be with you. Because I want that to impact who I am, my behavior, my emotions. I want to change even my past, my long-term memory. I want to change how I smell to others. Maybe it's simply starting this way, to ask, to seek, and to knock. Right? A really practical way to do it. 
One of my favorite verses, uh, if you go back to 2 Corinthians and you go one chapter further, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul doesn't equate us to being the aroma, but he equates us to being a letter. I had a pastor that talked about this and, and, and used this uh, language. So not the smell, but the letter. What are you reading? And he always ended with something and a challenge and saying, hey, you may be the only gospel that somebody ever reads. When I think back about Nashon, or even somebody I encounter on the street in passing at a grocery store, when I think about my daughter, somebody I encounter every single day, regardless of the amount of encounters, I know that I may be the only smell of Jesus that they ever get. So what am I going to do? Start this way. Pick me up. I want to be with you so that when I'm being read, when I'm being smelt, I think. Smelled? <laughs> that they'll smell Jesus. I've also heard this from another, uh, another uh, teacher that I, that I respect, talking about following your rabbi so close that you are caked in his dust. Talk about smelling like him, looking like him, being filled with his dust. Right? Maybe that's my challenge. Maybe we need that right now. I don't know. But don't see it as extra work. See it as the joy of simply being picked up by your father and being held close right into his chest. And because you're close to his chest, it's changing who you are. So maybe it's just a posture. Maybe it's not trying to keep up with a rabbi, right? Maybe it's not the pressure of like, how will somebody smell me, right? Or what will they smell? Maybe it's not the pressure of being like, I need to get in the word every day, and if I don't, shame on me. It's not a, it's not a shame thing. It's an invitation to say, hey, I want to hold you close. Because you, to me, to God, you are the aroma of Christ. And the only way that we can carry on the smell, like the campfire, like an awesome nutmeg pumpkin pie, is if you let those smells infuse into your being until there's nothing left to come out. So I pray that for you, Moran Park, that you may be the aroma of Christ as you go out from here, and that to get there, you choose this season of your life to be with Jesus, to be with him, so somebody will say about you, ah, that person's been with our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good, good father. Lord, you are triumphant. And you lead us. Holy Spirit, you are our guide. Lord, I pray that we can be a people who abide in you. And we praise you that you've already guaranteed that you will abide in us. And through that abiding, through that abiding, that we will be the branches that bear fruit and we will re represent and share your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your self-control, your gentleness, your kindness, 
those around us so that when they when others view that they don't they don't view it without connection but they say praise be to God to your glory and honor